This is episode number 482 with Marsha Naomi Berger, a marriage-minded dating guide for lasting love. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you would like some support along the way to lasting love, I wrote a book for you, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. It's filled with 30 chapters, stories, tips, exercises, all designed to help you show up, stand up, and speak up so you can step more fully into your value and you can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip from the book is step 12, be firm about your standards. One of the things I love teaching the most is boundaries and we're about to launch Boundary University, which may even be out by the time this podcast airs. But we love teaching boundaries because life without boundaries is a life that can be unaligned with who you really are and and people are treating you in ways that you don't like and you don't have any power to do anything about it. So know your standards. And this has become even more important during the pandemic. I know that a lot of people who are now dating again are scared to date because they're afraid of COVID, which they should be protective. But if you know your standards, I advise you to then convey that to the person that you're about to meet so that they can hopefully respect your standards. And if they say to you, hey, I don't wear a mask or, you know, and you do, or I don't believe in um, COVID, I think it's a hoax or whatever they say, you get to make your mind up about even not going on the date if that's something that's going to work better for you. So my challenge to you this week is to Look at where your standards and your boundaries might be a little fuzzy when it comes to dating and relationships and take one standard and really take a stand for what's important to you. Using phrases like, I'm not comfortable with that. Can I tell you what would make me more comfortable? That's a good way to start. Before I bring Marsha Naomi into our podcast, I just want to remind everyone that we have this amazing Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And it is a group for people who want to have positive growth on their journey to lasting love. A lot of Facebook groups for women are just filled with people complaining and whining and being victims of the dating world. And I'm not saying dating is easy over 40. I'm saying that without direction and positive direction and some good skills, you're gonna be stuck and nobody wants to be stuck in the whining, it doesn't help anybody. So we are a group that really encourages you to grow and be kind and be open-minded. And if that's appealing to you and you're not yet a member, come over after this podcast is over and join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Marsha Naomi Berger is an internationally recognized relationship expert. She leads dynamic marriage and communication workshops, and she's a popular speaker at many conferences. She's a clinical social worker with a private psychotherapy practice, and she has taught continuing ed classes for therapists at the University of California, Berkeley Extension, Alliant International University, and for many professional associations. And she's here to talk to us today about marriage and lasting love. Welcome to the show, Naomi. Oh, thank you for having me here, Sandy. It's my pleasure. Uh, so let's start with marriage. I mean, a lot of our listeners have been married. 
they don't really want to be married again they're not sure let's talk about what what why why do would people want to get married again what are the benefits well they're very concrete benefits longer lives better health that better mental and emotional health overall more optimism towards life this has all been researched and reported so it, it isn't anything new but um societies change a lot and people have some good reasons to fear getting married because of the high divorce rates in recent decades uh, and i have a theory about why that happens which i'm glad to share marriage has changed a lot and people have different expectations now for marriage uh, although often these expectations are unconscious. It used to be that marriage was more of something that women needed in order to be financially supported. Uh, people needed for society's approval to be married before they had children or before they lived together. All that's gone now. Uh, people can probably can live just about any way they want. In most circles, it's okay. What people really want now that the old expectations don't apply is to have a lifelong union that has spiritual and emotional fulfillment as well as the material and physical, which was before. Um, a third of women out earn their husbands now. So we know that, that the money uh, for most people, most women uh, doesn't have to be the reason that they get married. So learning how to meet the new expectations is, is the challenge. And, and when people don't know how, I think that's why the divorce happens. And uh, when they do, then they have wonderful, successful marriages. Yeah, I, I think people often overlook that. I think that people get into second marriages and they make the same mistakes because they haven't done any of the work. They mm -hmm. don't realize that they're the common denominator. <laughs> and then we think, oh, this person is so different from my ex. And they're actually not that different. They have similarities because you haven't done the work. So it's so important to work on yourself and to find out why your last relationship didn't work and even mm -hmm. in i think people really have a hard time with this one but even in in relationships where there was some form of abuse we all play a part in mm -hmm. the partnership and so knowing that you stayed quiet knowing that you stayed too long and you didn't think that you had options knowing that you chose a partner like this that has to do with who you are as well and it's not not meant to point a finger and blame it's to say once we can really identify what those issues are then we can do something about them which is very empowering definitely and i was just thinking as you were talking about boundaries which by the way i'd like to show my book if that's okay sure because this, this the name of the book is marriage minded an a to z dating guide for lasting love it's written in a literal a to z format so I have every letter of the alphabet has a few topics underneath it. So this is a very thorough book. And A is for ambivalent because part of us may want marriage, part of us might be afraid. A is also for anxiety. It's natural to have that. And A is also for awesome to remember that you are uh, and that you have a lot to contribute to a relationship. And B, I'll stop at B, one of the B topics is boundaries. So I'm so glad, Sandy, that you are focusing on boundaries because also marriage, women may not have felt like it was okay to have boundaries 
because, because they're in a more dependent position. But now the ideal is a collaborative marriage where both husband and wife, both partners are able to say what they want, what they need and, and what they don't want. <laughs> and so, so that's, that's a big change. Yeah, and I think that you also bring up a good point that as we get older, we're often more clear about what we want and what we need. And we <clears throat> we don't sweat the small stuff as much anymore. And uh, and the boundaries also, just to just touch on that for another minute, is that a lot of people like myself, I did set boundaries in my marriage, but they weren't respected. And so knowing how to enforce a boundary, how to come back and not let your boundary go just because somebody ignored it the first time. There's a lot to boundary setting and understanding who we are and why we struggle with setting boundaries, but it's the kindest thing to do. And I, my son just set a boundary with his car dealer because he was sold a car that has a lot of problems. And he is so tired of bringing the car in and not having it work that he said, I want to trade the car in. And he set a very firm boundary with these people. And it was like, yes, <laughs> you got to show people how you want to be treated. Sounds like you could have did a good parenting job with him, Sandy. <laughs> hey, we all try, right? <laughs> we don't know what's going to come out the other end. <laughs> That's true. Uh, what are some of the obstacles that people face when trying to have that lasting union? A big obstacle is attitude. Right? So it's some examples of attitudes that get people's way are, um, I'm to this, I'm to that, I'm too thin, I'm too fat, men want a younger woman, uh, all the good men in my area are married. Uh, let's see, what, what else? Um, I think that, that's a, those are a few examples, but any, anything that can stop you. Uh, and, and you can get past them by examining them and looking at them objectively and talking to people who have a more positive attitude. Um, I advocate uh, in M, M is for mentors, is one of the M topics, is to find people who are encouraging and are good role models and have a positive attitude about marriage. Yeah, it's, that is so important. I mean, I think mindset is everything and we need to ask for help. We often think we can do it all ourselves, but we can't see ourselves so mm. clearly, right? It's so many people come into coaching, like somebody I spoke to this morning who was all about the boyfriend. The boyfriend has a problem. And right, I, right, why is yeah. he doing this? And I said, let's focus on you. And, you know, when is the last time you felt distrust? Oh, when I was three years old, I had this big trauma happen. And then I had this trauma and then that trauma and then that trauma. And it continued until I was 10 years old. And I was like, okay, so let's deal with that. And then we'll figure out if this guy is the right guy for you. But we've got to really work on our mindset, work on our own stuff, get support so that we can see what we can't see. Exactly. And you know, when you mentioned attitudes and you also mentioned uh, people staying in relationships too long and finally maybe they divorce, they may still have unfinished business, meaning that they're still self-preoccupied with their former partner, or it could be that they may be um, widowed and still feeling really self-connected to the other person uh, that they don't have room for someone else in their life. 
in, in a close relationship. So it really is important to process those feelings that may be lingering from a past relationship so that when you're on your, your first date, you're not talking all about what a, a terrible person your ex was or, or how much you loved the partner who sadly died. Yeah, yeah, no, that is such a huge part of moving on. And so many people are stuck in the past. I was listening to the Dear Therapist podcast. Have you ever heard that? I have not. It's an excellent podcast with Lori Gottlieb and um, Guy Winch, two therapists who have people come on and talk about an issue. And this one woman was really stuck on her ex who she, they got divorced like seven years earlier and he was now getting remarried and she was just obsessing on how narcissistic he had been. And of course they went back to, who are you? And uh-huh. <laughs> where, you know, and, um, and it turned out that she had really given up so much of her life for this guy that she, she had such a hard time moving on, but it started when she was a teenager, like 13 when she was suffering from a disease that was misdiagnosed and her parents didn't take her seriously and they pretty much abandoned her. They loved her, but they didn't pay enough attention. And Mm -hmm. so then you go through life trying to get attention from the wrong people, from the people who can't Mm -hmm. give it to you. And Mm -hmm. they used an analogy, which I love, and then we'll get back to you um, because I just love this one. And they were saying like, it's like going to a well that's dry and trying to get water from this well. And you keep going back. This guy told you who he was from the start and you kept going back to the dry well, hoping you'd get water. And so it was, it's a great analogy, I think, because so many of us try to make relationships work with people who can't do it for us. And uh, so, you know, she was finally able through some exercises they gave her to let go of this guy and to actually have a party the day that he was going to get married and take her life back. Right. (laughs) So, you know, I've seen people who who have held on till their dying day that they're never going to get remarried because (laughs) they can't move on or that they believe that marriage Mm -hmm. is a terrible thing because somebody once hurt them. So they're never going to be open to love again. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. People who who do want to get married again um, or get married for the first time, what are some tips for them from when they're out out there dating? My first tip is to enjoy dating when you have your first date, instead of asking yourself in your head, um, is this the one I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with? You know, Just enjoy getting to know the person and figure that if it's not him, it'll be somebody else. Gain the confidence that you deserve, you're worthy, you deserve 
a wonderful marriage and there is somebody out there for you, maybe more than one, uh, but you know, you will find the one or he will find you, you'll find each other in time, the right person at the right time and relax and uh, enjoy dating and, and take good care of yourself when you're not on a date so that you become a joyful person who does uh, appreciate what's good for you in life. And then you shine like a like a light bulb because you're a happy person and you attract happy people. So so important, you know the 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 radiance the radiance that comes off of a person who has joy inside is so intoxicating, and so many people are afraid to be themselves and afraid to really just be and mm -hmm. you know so they show up as somebody else and um yeah that's really that's really a big issue in dating is where people don't really get to know you mm -hmm. i know you also talk about chemistry and that i think chemistry is very misunderstood a lot of people think that first date you gotta know it on that first date and feel butterflies and all this stuff that's movies are made of so tell us your feelings about chemistry well, I think we have to differentiate between hormones, which, which are great and fun, uh, and what love is, what true love is, and, and um, people get them confused. So it's, uh, the actual research shows that people that instantly fall in love, love at first sight, uh, and they marry, those are not the best marriages. The best marriages are people with people who get to know each other over time, uh, because chemistry can come and go if, if you may be very attracted to somebody, uh, but in time, learn that you really don't have very much in common, except you both like sex. Yeah. And, and what happens when that's gone, right? <laughs> Not much well, left. Yeah. 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 I so, uh, so I say when you're dating, look, look for whether you have shared values, whether you want to have the same kind of lifestyle, uh, whether the person wants children or not? Do you have enough similar interests and are you compatible intellectually? Uh, and become clear on what you're looking for. I have L, L is for lists where I encourage readers to make a list of the 10 qualities they're looking for in a partner and later to separate that list. What do I really need and what do I want? I have somebody who uh, made a list of 25. I said, that's too many, narrow it to 10, separate what you want and what you really need. Um, and, and then she did, and she's happy with that. Uh, and, and then what are the 10 qualities that you can bring into a relationship? And this is a nice confidence building exercise because we all have many positive qualities. And then the third list is five areas in which you personally can grow and which your potential partner will appreciate having you grow in. Um, and this is a good exercise to remember that if we are looking for a perfect partner, that's not realistic because nobody is. We all have room to grow, uh, us too. That's great. So the, the 10 qualities that you need in a partner separate from what you want, from what you need and narrow that down to five. Well, I, 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 I think 10 is okay. You know, it stays in your unconscious. Uh, too many, I think would be too much. But, uh, you know, if you wanted to do five, I guess you could, but it's just, you don't want to leave out anything that's really, really important. Right. You just, some, some people don't realize that there is a difference between a need and a want. 
right. nice to have and a must have, as I say. Right. And, you know, does he have to have, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, he has to have a PhD. Not, not really. Right. Or he has to be six feet tall and he has to have a full head of hair. I mean, I had a 70 something year old woman once come to me and she wanted a guy with a full head of hair. And I said, well, good luck. <laughs> Have fun, not dating. <laughs> there are some. There are some you can find them, but it's, it's um, not a character but you don't trait. Know how long, you know, either. <laughs> yeah, some of some of the more superficial qualities um, can change too. Like like <laughs> start out full head and get bald, or you know, and, and hopefully you have the other qualities that really matter. Right. So that you have the list of the qualities that you bring to a relationship, which I love that addition. And then the third list was a list of where you can both grow together in the relationship. Well, I was thinking of the, uh, the list is before you have a partner. So oh. it's um, okay. We don't want to think that there's anything not perfect about ourselves, maybe, but we all have imperfections. So maybe, maybe you turn, you run late. Maybe you uh, don't express yourself enough. You know, you, maybe you have trouble setting boundaries. Okay, mm -hmm. so so this is all areas. These are all areas um, where you will be happier when you grow in them, and your partner will appreciate them. Great, that's a, that's a great way to make. And if your partner notices them, your partner will accept them because you're going to accept his imperfections it, also if right the big if the big picture looks good yeah so i agree with that and i think that um also you have self-acceptance which really helps <laughs> and we talked a little bit yeah. about that before um now let's so we talked about must-haves let's talk about deal breakers uh because sometimes people just say oh it's the opposite of my must-haves how do you help people <laughs> uh, define their their deal breakers yeah, well, I, I, for some reason, this just popped into my head. If somebody smokes and you're allergic to smoke, let's say, and I'm not saying you can't work it out somehow, but it might be a deal breaker. So it might be for some people a deal breaker. For other people, it might be that you make an arrangement that, <laughs> that he only smokes outside of where you live and never in your presence. And washes his clothes as soon as he comes in. Uh, but this is very, very, I'm just exaggerating a situation. The, the deal breakers that I think most people accept are deal breakers, although they may not break the deal, unfortunately, uh, but would be physical or verbal abuse, uh, adultery, infidelity, and um, addictions that are serious enough that they really interfere, you know, alcoholism or drug abuse that, uh, makes the person not really a collaborative partner to spend the rest of your life with if, if that person is not dealing with it in a constructive way. Yeah, and I'm glad you added that part because I think a lot <laughs> of times people just say, um, I'll never date a person who has mental illness, I'll never date a person who has addictions. And I think that a lot of people do reform and they're under care and they're responsible about it. And if that's true, right. Mm -hmm. then then it's not fair to negate all these people who had a problem and are now, you know, pretty stable. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people grow wonderfully in the process of recovering from an addiction. They can they consider themselves recovering for life because there's always a threat that it could pop up again. 
but that makes them, if they're what they say in AA, you know, I think I say it there, that they say be eternally vigilant, um, then that's wonderful because they are staying self-aware and staying aware of the other person that they're involved with. Yeah, for sure. So um, you mentioned interdependence, and I love that word. It's a word I never even knew till I became a dating coach. And uh, uh -huh. I think that, uh, you know, ideally you want to have interdependence in a relationship. So can you just, just explain what that means and why it's important to a healthy, lasting relationship? Well, in a collaborative relationship, you're naturally going to be relying on each other and negotiating who's going to do what, simple matters like chores. And some people are very averse to the word interdependence because they want to be independent. So under I, I have both independence and interdependence. And a relationship requires interdependence or it's not a relationship. There's two people and they're uh, counting on each other for various things. They're counting on each other to keep their word. They're counting each other to um, be clear, ideally, you know, about what they need and what they want, what their boundaries are. And uh, so, inter and what I write about in the book under interdependence is that we, there's no reason to think we shouldn't be dependent in some ways on our partner, probably in many ways, uh, because we don't usually fix our own plumbing or construct our own cars, or, you know, we would rely on people to take care of all parts of life. So why wouldn't we want to rely on somebody to help make our life more full and complete? I think people get so afraid of depending on anybody. And especially as we get older and many, many women in my world are people who have relied on themselves for a long time. And it's scary to then open to a partner and say, we're going to weave our lives together and I'm going to depend on you for some stuff, mm -hmm. but it won't work otherwise, you know, because otherwise you're living parallel lives like your toddlers playing a game, right? It's like, it's not, that's not a marriage. Mm -hmm. That's roommates. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure. Platonic or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so Sandy, I like that you use that expression, weaving our lives together. And I want to mention something else uh, that's in my book, Marriage Minded, an A to Z dating guide for lasting love. And that is that a friend I grew up with from the seventh grade, we were best friends. And when I was still single, and I was single for a long time, uh, and I've been married over 33 years now. And when I was single still, and she had been married for a while, and I told her I was afraid I would lose myself in a, in a marriage if I got married, uh, which is a common fear, which probably also has to do with not setting boundaries. <laughs> um, and Amy wrote something beautiful. She wrote to me that she considered her relationship with Michael, her husband, like a braid with three strands. One strand is her. Second strand is him. And the third strand is their relationship, mm. which I think is a beautiful way to show that they each keep their independence and the relationship also has them functioning interdependently in a way that makes it work well. <laughs> oh, I love that. 
I, I, I've heard of, you know, a triangle where there's, you know, one partner on each corner, each point of the triangle, and then the top of the triangle is the relationship. And I, I used to just imagine like who we become when we're in relationship with somebody is very different from who we become when we're in relationship with someone else. So if you look at your friendships, mm. you have a different kind of relationship. And that's right. like yeah. that point is going to change depending on who you're with. And um, so I like that, but the, the weaving together like a braid is, is we're all, you know, woven together, but we all have these separate strands too. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so marriage, you know, I think a lot of people just see marriage as, as uh, drudgery. Um, they, there's so many bad things written about marriage where the ball and chain, I mean, there's just this, all these terrible things that people say like, oh, you're in it for life, you're in it, whatever. And I, I think it would be helpful to give some tips on how to keep marriage interesting and fun. Okay, well, that actually relates to my first book, which is called Marriage Meetings for a Lasting Love, 30 Minutes a Week to the Relationship You've Always Wanted. And my husband and I have been holding a weekly marriage meeting since our first year of marriage. We learned how to do it in a class that we took for new couples. And even though I was already considered uh, an expert at couple therapy and family therapy at the agency where I worked and had great training um, in doing this kind of work, uh, which happened to be an alcoholism treatment center. We were talking a little earlier about alcoholism and, and, mm. uh, and I, I really loved working with that population and uh, especially working with couples and, and families. And uh, so, so what was my point? I forgot where I- Oh, marriage meetings. The so, meetings are helpful, right? <laughs> okay, so, so have a weekly meeting. It's a short, gentle conversation with a simple agenda and positive communication skills uh, where every week you get to reconnect in a good way. You express appreciation and receive it from your partner. You coordinate the chores. Here's the interdependency. Uh, handle the business aspect of, of the marriage. And then you plan good times, a weekly date where you can have adventures and do new things together, go to new places, plan vacations, plan times with other people too, and plan your self-care times if you want to share that with your mate. Uh, and then the final part is dealing with issues so we don't get clogged up with or build grudges. We take care of things right away and using positive communication skills, which are also explained in the book. So uh, that weekly marriage meeting is a very good way to keep your relationship on track and reconnect every week. That's great. I love that. And I think, you know, I remember advocating for family meetings when I was still married. And my ex-husband was so against sitting down. He made so much fun of me. And I still believe it would have been so helpful for our family to do that because you've got to talk about stuff. And I was just visiting my daughter who's married and um, I was trying to help her to communicate more with her husband and to go on dates and to have that quiet time. And I said, you really have to schedule it because it doesn't happen. 
you know, none of this stuff happens. Sex doesn't happen unless you schedule when you have young kids. It's, it's a really hard time. And so to make marriage work, you've got to put the work in. And it's, it sounds like it's a, it's a fun meeting too. It's like we cover everything. Yeah. I work at, I'm listening to, I listen to Joan Baez's song, you know, love is just a four letter word. If you've heard of that. And I'm just thinking work is a four letter word for me about marriage, because I don't believe it's work in a good marriage. I believe um, we relate to each other like treasured friends and, and we uh, do care about, um, meeting our own needs and our partner's needs. So it's a, it, there is a, like a kind of a balancing that, that happens. Uh, and I view it as growth and I view it as very, very positive. I view it as investing energy. Maybe it could be semantics as some people call it work and some call it investing energy, but I definitely do not view a good marriage as work. And I know that that is the opposite of what many, many people think. Hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it's like a dirty word. It feels hard. And I think when we look at relationships as hard, that stops us from putting the investment of energy into it. And I, I recently had a, a guest on the podcast who said her, her partner says, this work is hard because they were taking some kind of, uh, you know, like a communications workshop or something together. And she said, you know what's really hard? When you're not communicating. What's really hard is when you're not getting along. That's really hard. This is not hard. This is what makes the marriage fun. This is what makes the marriage work. So I think, mm -hmm. I think it's important to reframe how we talk because our words really hold a lot of energy. So I like you not using the word work. <laughs> I think that's important for our audience to remember yeah. that good relationships don't feel like work. They feel like a positive investment of our energy, our time, our, our love. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I, I think the people that say marriage is work, uh, if they are married, it may be that they have either not chosen their partner wisely and they're trying to change this person and fit this person into a mold that doesn't fit and it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's like, uh, it's a no-win situation. Uh, they both feel frustrated. Um, or it could feel like work is they've chosen well, but they haven't learned how to communicate well to express their true feelings, wants, needs, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that can be fixed. That part can be fixed. They can learn. Yeah, choosing That's well what we're is both important. here for, right? Exactly. <laughs> I find that most people have no idea how to choose. And if you choose with a poor foundation, it's really hard to build on a rocky, weak foundation. I liken it to the, uh, the three little pigs who built the houses, <laughs> the straw house and the brick house. And what was the last one? The wood house, I think. And they all got blown down, but the one that had the strong foundation. And when you have a strong foundation, you can talk through things, you can work through hard things, you can master a crisis and come out the other end even better. When you have a weak foundation, it's just going to constantly be blowing in different directions. And it's, it's a really frustrating way to be in relationships. So it's important to do this work. Um, I'd love for you to share some fun tips because you shared some like, these are like more serious, you know, have these meetings, but what about keeping it fun and mutually fulfilling? Well, it makes it a lot more fun if you both have a sense of humor. 
<laughs> right? You can laugh at yourselves, laugh at situations. Um, I think you said earlier, don't sweat the small stuff. It's fun to just being together, just you like each other, you like hanging out. Uh, that's advice for your last first date. Um, and subsequent dates with the person that you married, choose somebody that you're really comfortable hanging out with. I mean, at some point I realized that even though I love to ski, I could marry someone who didn't ski because after a while you're sitting around, you're not spending that much time skiing. So you want to be with somebody who you really enjoy, just you enjoy their presence, not just sex and not just going on dates, but hanging out, being around. I love that you shared that because we went from don't sweat the small stuff to enjoy the small stuff. <laughs> and I think that that is really important advice because I think that people think it's about the big stuff. It's about, you know, how is that person treating me to a really nice restaurant and a great vacation and we're going on the cruise. And if, you know, if they're not traveling with me to some exotic location, it's not going to work out. It's, it's really about friendship in the end. You know, you want to hang out with that person. You're going to be with them a lot. So humor is so important in that, in that bond and just hanging out together. I love that. I'd like to say something else about Amy and Michael, the Amy, the originator of the three strand braid idea with separate people, but yet a relationship. Uh, Amy and Michael have a big difference. She loves to travel and he's a real stay at home kind of guy. He, he likes to do karate. <laughs> he has his routine every day and whatever else he does. Uh, and Amy wants to travel and they accept their difference. And Amy finds women friends to travel with all over the world. And Michael's happy because she's enjoying herself and he gets to do what he wants to do. And she can come home. He probably likes hearing about her trips without him having to go anywhere. And he enjoys his karate. So, so that's an important way to keep it good. You mentioned how important it is to accept each other. And this is about accepting differences. And many differences are complimentary. Meaning, yeah, I, not, not, I don't mean it like, um, like a compliment. I mean, like they kind of blend with each other in a good way. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, uh, thank you for sharing that because... I think that's where people get stuck. It's like, if they're not going to go with me where I need them to go, then it's not going to work. So those are the, uh, the when you're making those lists, the wants and the needs, that's, mm -hmm. that's a want. It's nice to travel with somebody. I have clients who play golf. It would be lovely to find a golf partner, but you can also find one that you're not married to or you're not in a mm -hmm. relationship with. And so we have to realize that not every person that we're with has to be everything. In fact, it's really hard to find somebody who's going to be every single thing that you need. And hard you or need impossible. Them. Right, impossible, right. And, and you also are going to want other people to do things mm -hmm. with you, not just spend all your time. That's the interdependence. Mm -hmm. So I love the, the weaving and the, the interdependence and the realistic way mm -hmm. of looking at relationships and mm -hmm. making it very grounded. It's not some lofty rom-com. It's really what, what really matters is the foundation of two people who, who are compliments to each other, who get along well, who can laugh together and work through stuff, have these weekly meetings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Any final words of advice for people who want to go on their last first date, Naomi? 
Oh, I think you want to know that knowledge is power and learn all that you need to know from whoever can give it to you, from Sandy, <laughs> from our books, uh, from marriage meetings, and find mentors. And most of all, know that you deserve a good marriage and you can develop the kind of optimistic attitude that will help to make your dream come true. I love it. Know, know you're worth it. Know your value. So important to know your value. Um, well, this has just been a really rich conversation. Thank you, Naomi. Please let our audience know how they can find you. They can find me at marriagemeetingswithans.com. Well, that's my website. And you can find me by Googling my name if you like to read my articles. And of course, you can go on Amazon or ideally your local bookstore because I love the independent bookstores and, um, you know, pick up a copy. If they don't have it, ask them for it. <laughs> and uh, it's been my pleasure being here. Sandy, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. To continue to support our show, please tell a friend, subscribe rate and review because it really, really helps us grow and do that on Apple Podcasts if you can. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.